0: <laughs> back.
1: (laughs) We'll be right back. The Goldstein and I am Brian Brinkman. You are tuned into episode 20 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is generally the podcast in which Brian and myself use the music of fish as a means of introducing the listener to other generally non-jam bands that they might not have heard. Because we love fish, we are fish fans, but sometimes the problem is if you only listen to fish, There may come a time in your life when you want to lie to the FBI, and we don't think that's a good idea. We wouldn't ever recommend lying to the FBI, but if you do, you're going to want to, you know, make up some other bands say, oh, yeah, I listen to the National, I listen to the War on Drugs, I listen to Slow Dive and Ron Gallo and all these other bands, and if the FBI believes you, that's great. might be running up the legal fees. Your legal fees get so high, you can't afford your fish New Year's tickets, but all this can be avoided if you are uh, just listen to some Beyond the
2: Pond. Case in point, guys, just don't collude with Russia. Just please, No. Just spend your time collecting records, spend your time doing deep dives, and spend your time figuring out what your top five albums of each year are. This is, these are the things that matter. Am I wrong?
1: No, colluding with Russia seems a good idea at the time, especially if you have like your Cold War fantasies and you're watching like Rocky Four, but it, it never works out.
2: <laughs> you guys can tell that we've become more topical with time. Who knows if this will be mm. relevant with this uh, when this episode actually posts, but um
1: That's how fast the news moves.
2: It's the new drinking game from Beyond the Pond. Have we mentioned the war on drugs and have we mentioned a topical news story that in three weeks may be totally irrelevant? Um, mm. Regardless, this is episode 20. We are going to be talking about our top 10 albums of 2017 here. Those of you who have been listening to Beyond the Pond throughout our uh, entire first year evolution, you remember episode 9, we uh, charted down our top 5 albums of the year to that point. It's going to be quite interesting to see... Where our list uh, compared to where they were in July, we're really excited about this, and we're also excited because we've heard from a bunch of you, and we're going to be sharing throughout the episode uh, your guys's uh, top five albums of the year, as well as some of our memories relating to live music that we've seen, both fish and non-fish, and kind of just reminiscing on 2017 as was.
1: So, in terms of an outline of the episode, I think we're going to start off talking about some live music we saw in 2017. We're also going to talk about the Beyond the Pond community, uh, some of their favorite albums. We're going to talk about some of our honorable mention records of 2017. Eventually, we're going to get to each of our top 10 albums of 2017. And on that note, let's get to some non fish.
2: So kind of getting into things here, you wanted to do just like a really quick recap of 2017. Um, David, what's the year been like for you from a listening standpoint?
1: I would characterize this year as having lots of records I liked, even more so in the past. Many, many things I liked. I probably listened to about, I'd say, 50 albums this year, more than twice. Tons of things I liked, but very few that I felt over the moon over. I'd say not much. I completely loved my top five are the ones I listened to the most and yet they'd be pretty interchangeable. I mean, maybe we'll look back in a few years and uh, think differently, but in terms of Pantheon records, nothing was really sticking out at this point in time.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting year in the sense that there were a lot of really big records that came out and a lot of really big names that released albums for the first time in a while. But I don't think that we got like that OK Computer or Sound of Silver or um, uh, like a Lost in the Dream type of record. There wasn't like a record that I think in the moment defines this year. Uh, I think that there potentially is a lot of growers. You know, for me, I started the year with a big listening project. I had a goal in mind that I was going to listen to a new record every single day. And I started multiplying that and I ended up... At some point in mid-March and April, I was listening to five or six records I'd never heard before, just trying to hear as much new music as possible. Kind of burnt myself out on that, and by mid-year, once the Baker's Dozen rolled around, I kind of scaled it back and started re-listening to a lot of records i had enjoyed in the first half of the year. And then, I would say for me, some of my favorite records came out in the last few months, and they're the records that are in my rotation right now, and that most impress me. But I kind of wonder if I'm gonna, f- if I if I haven't fully grasped them yet, simply because I haven't had enough time with them.
1: Right. I mean, for me. Um, at my age, being 38, it's almost kind of felt like the year of uh, that 2005 and 2007 struck back. There were new albums from The National and Grizzly Bear and LCD Sound System and all these like blog rock bands that kind of blew up in the mid-2000s. And yeah. for the most part, all those albums were good. Those were bands that um, really were able... to to, uh, I guess, very much sustain careers. And there's even going to be a new Vampire Weekend out. Uh, I mean, a new Vampire Weekend album out early next year. I don't know if it's coming out in January or, or February.
2: Yeah, I'm quite excited for that. It
1: was also the the like revenge of the like, classic shoegaze bands. There was albums from Slow Dive, there was a record from Ride. Uh, you had like Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine talking the news about the forthcoming My Bloody like, Valentine re- record. Yeah. Yeah. well yeah my bloody valentine record plus uh like the reissue of loveless talking yes. about loveless like it's some kind of living breathing organism that wasn't recorded correctly and he's going to put it in analog all of this like kevin shield speak uh, all this kevin shield speak but yeah. you and i know how i feel about shoegaze so yes. that was kind of fun to follow even though um compared to slow dive i did not like the ride album nearly as much
2: now we'll get to that slow dive uh, right. a little bit later um, kind of talking, uh, you know, live music. I know that you and I spend a lot of time on here. When we talk about live music, we tend to talk about fish, and then we tend to talk about studio albums and output from other bands. But we both saw quite a bit, quite a few concerts this year. Um, what would you say were kind of the three most impressive shows that you saw this year that weren't fish?
1: Well, let's see, I'll stop you and say quite a few is what happens (laughs) when you get older and you have a child, you, uh, you'll find that going to concerts becomes harder and harder to do. So you got to pick your spots, let's see off the top of my head. Um, I saw midnight oil at, uh, the venue terminal five, which is not only the worst place to see music in New York city, it's probably the worst place to see music on the East coast, but (laughs) Midnight oil was a big band for me, uh, in high school, and uh, certain, certainly, certainly in junior high school, with the Earth and Sun and Moon album, I know they've been around since the late '70s and the '80s with stuff like uh, songs like Beds Are Burning and Dream World. And they had a reunion tour. I got to see them, and it was fantastic. Uh, the front man, Peter Garrett, I think he's 64 years old, but he sounds the same. All the songs are played in the same keys. There was plenty of politics. Everyone in the audience is very into it. It was uh, a great rock show from uh, a great Australian rock band. Aside from that, uh, October 6th, I saw The National at Forest Hill Stadium. And what's great about The National is that they're certainly a Like Brooklyn's success story, who I think I've accurately described as uh, like sad bastard music for urban city dwellers in their 30s. But (laughs) they've risen to the ranks to become a very professional live band. Like generally speaking, outside of New York, I think they play like 2,800 seat theaters. They have audio visual. They've got lights. But they do change up the set list. And it's very organic sound. And... Matt Berninger, he wanders into the audience, he's kind of like a Dionysus, he's drinking wine on stage, he's talking to the crowd, it's a very well done, very professional rock show, and I started seeing them in 2005, so it was very cool to see them rise through the ranks, and um, October 20th, that October 20th, 2017, I saw Humphreys McGee at the Capitol Theater. They're a jam band, but, you know, we still see jam bands other than Fish. And I think I've seen Humphreys. That might have been my sixth Humphreys show. That's probably the best one I've seen. They're on a really good stride right now. They've, uh, their songwriting has gotten much better over the years. I think their jamming has gotten less noodly and more succinct. And uh, that Capitol Theater show in particular was the first night of a three-night run. They started off playing a gorgeous cover of uh, Tom Petty's Running Down a Dream. And uh, to be honest, Umpires was a band I didn't really care for until about 2014. The tide kind of turned. It's a different conversation for a different day. But uh, I think you really owe it to yourself to see that band live as they've come a long way. And that was a, that was a hell of a rock show.
2: Yeah, I'm expect. I'm excited to see them. Uh, they're coming to the Anthem here in D.C. The new venue that opened up down on the Wharf that um, I'm gonna get to here in a second. But I'm gonna see them in February, and very excited for that. Kind of in the same boat with you. That not necessarily my preferred uh, go-to jam band for a long time, but um, I'm definitely starting to drink the tonic on them. Um, so the three shows I've got. Uh, so in June, I saw Wilco play at Wolf Trap. Um, over in Virginia, and uh, it's this beautiful venue, very similar to the man. You can bring in uh, beer, you can bring in food, and you can hang out on the lawn, and we then we had seats down in the pavilion that we transferred down to for them to come out and open up with on and on and on, the closing track on Sky Blue Sky, which is beautiful and very, very fitting for my wife and I to see, and just very emotional opener. Um, The show was excellent. It was the first time I'd seen Wilco since 2008. And I saw a string of Wilco shows in 2006, 07, and 2008. that were all really, really good. And it was at the kind of the apex of my Wilco fandom. But uh, towards the end of it, I started to feel like I was just seeing a very similar show over over and over again. And uh, right after that, they put out Wilco the album, and I kind of fell off. Um, Mm. But I've been... You know, really reborn as a Wilco fan the last couple of years with Tweedy's record in uh, 2014, uh, Sucure, and then Schmilco that came out last year in 2016, which I absolutely loved. And so I felt compelled to see them. And it was a great, great show. They're such a professional rock band. Um, there's a real warm, welcoming sound to them. They played their entire catalog. Um I got to finally see Art of All Most live, which was excellent. It was just all around one of those kind of shows. It, was, it felt in the same sort of way as the first time I saw Fish in 09 after um, the breakup, and it just felt like a warm hug at a concert again. Um, That's what
1: Wilco does. Their concerts yeah. are warm hugs. I saw Wilco at the Beacon Theater earlier this year. I felt the exact same way. It's just, it's comfort food. They
2: don't really push
1: the envelope. It's like seeing old friends.
2: Exactly. It's like seeing your buddies from college who, like, you rehash the same jokes and you don't really need to talk about anything new, but you walk away being like, fuck, that felt really good. Um, So fast forward fall, I've seen two of the best shows I saw all year. I saw The War on Drugs twice in the fall. I saw them at uh, the Anthem, um, which was their U.S. tour finale show. And that was, without question, the best non-FISH show I saw this year. Uh, they went through pretty much the entirety of A Deeper Understanding, and even through uh, Thinking of a Place and the Encore a song, which they didn't play until about midway through the tour, um, because they just simply couldn't figure out how to play it live. Um, but they also played Like a Hurricane. They played an excellent version of Under the Pressure, "As the Wind. I got a Buenos Aires Beach. Excellent, excellent show. And the Anthem, if you are within three hours of Washington, D.C., I would encourage you uh, just go to the Anthem for a show within the next 12 months. It sounds perfect. It is. Uh, the, the staff is excellent. The space is great. The sight lines are just impeccable. It's, it's an amazing, amazing place to see a show. Um, and then finally, in November, I saw a Slow Dive. And uh, Slow Dive will get to. They put out their first record in 22 years this year. Shoegaze, Blissful, Ethereal, uh, just masterpiece. Uh, Fucking good. Of sound. Yeah, and live, those songs came across in such a clear and concise way. Um, it sounded like I was listening to a live album the entire show. Very professional, but very sleek and very uh, just great to see a band that you know 10 12 years ago probably wasn't you know the members weren't playing to crowds this big to be able to hold an audience the way that they they did was something else um one caveat so we're recording this uh the first weekend of december i am seeing my very first national show this upcoming week at the anthem and um you'll be sure to hear if that destroys this entire list because I have so many expectations and hopes about that this show, especially with the set list that they've been playing over in Europe and especially with how Sleepwall Beast came out. Um, so everything I said here just may be completely null and void. But um, moving on, we uh, wanted to kick off a quick section here. Um, so many of you guys know we polled a bunch of our listeners and a bunch of our friends Uh, a bunch of friends of the pod who have been listening to Beyond the Pond for the last year and watching us grow we want to thank everyone who sent us in your five favorite records of the year Um, we're going to kind of go through some of you guys uh, uh, we're going to go through these throughout the episode but kind of kicking things off here with the first three um, community favorite albums we've got none other than Sam Timberg who uh, you can follow on Twitter at Sam Timberg his five records. Number five, he had Spoon's Hot Thoughts. Number four, he had Wilco's Being There re-release, which uh, he said completely gave him a new perspective on being there. Number three was LCD Sound Systems' American Dream. Number two was The War on Drugs' A Deeper Understanding. If you haven't drunk yet, please drink now. Um, and no, I'm drinking. <laughs> I can
1: barely was, stay upright. It
2: was Chris Tile and brad meldow's uh self-titled record uh together
1: chris tealy and brad meldow's that would be picking mandolin and then piano i guess
2: yes yes yes
1: i have to listen to that that probably sounds incredible
2: yeah i was uh i loved brad meldow in college but um uh, i was unaware of this record coming out so definitely excited to hear it
1: Let's see. The next one we're going to take from the community is John McGarr on Twitter. He is at MCGARRJ. He has uh, in his five, in no particular order, the War on Drugs, Deeper Understanding. Dan Arbach, Waiting on a Song. He's uh, half of the Black Keys doing a solo thing. Ryan Adams, Prisoner, The National Sleep Well Beast, and gang of youths go farther in lightness. You will uh, hear about both of those records a bit later in the episode.
3: I've been.
2: We've got uh, Terrence at Terrence, E at T E R R U N T Z. We've got Kendrick Lamar's Damn at number five. Uh, Converge's The Dusk in Us at number four. Number three, we've got Lord Melodrama. Two, yet again making another appearance here The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. Number one, Father John Misty, Pure Comedy. I, I, I feel reading this as though. Uh, it's like one of those Oscar years where, like, Titanic wins fourteen awards, <laughs> like, and the envelope goes too.
1: <laughs> this is one of the, the few lists, though, to have uh, the the screaming screaming New England crazy, crazy metalcore of Converge next to uh, next to Lord's melodrama.
2: It's quite a goblin so, right there.
1: Yeah, that's good. We like people with diverse tastes. Both uh, very excellent records in two very different ways, so thanks for that, Terrence. this point, moving forward, we're going to get to um, some of our favorite records of the year. And I think we're going to start off with our honorable mentions of 2017. These are uh, five records, I guess. Technically, this could be uh, the like 10 through 15. So for this, I have listed the self-titled album by The Weather Station, which is the gnome de rock and roll of uh, one... Tamara Lindemann, she's a female singer-songwriter from Toronto. It's a fantastic record. We've got Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, the Nashville Sound, Low Cut Connie, Dirty Pictures Part 1, Low Cut Connie, that's, uh, that's Adam Weiner's merry Band, um, nice Jewish boy from Philadelphia, Pounding the Piano. We've got Ryan Adams' Prisoner, and then Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives, Way Out West.
0: Hope you find something to love, something to do when you feel like giving up. A song to sing or a tale to tell, something to love. It'll serve you well.
2: I was born in a tiny. I kind of took this. I didn't go 10 through 15 on this one, or 11 through 15. I kind of went just through my... uh, I've got like a top 40 albums, and I kind of picked out just some records that stood out throughout the countdown, but I've got uh, CEPs, Drawing the Target Around the Arrow. Uh, Keen listeners of Beyond the Pond will know that I am the uh, sole driver of ambient, beatless music Mm. on this podcast, and this one just if this was right in my wheelhouse in february of 2017 beautiful beautiful record that can be played at low volumes can be played right up in your eardrums and just uh excellent excellent stuff uh i've got samfa's process samfa's process um was one of the first records that really kind of perked my ears up in in the early part of this year really kind of had me excited for, for what was to come. Kind of fell out of my rotation by midway through the year, but um, definitely something that uh, I, I returned to and, and enjoyed every time. There was a lot to take in throughout that record. Uh, same with you, Dave. The Weather Station self-titled album. Uh, that came out in, I think, early October and really fit autumn. Uh, listens really nicely. Uh,
1: very autumn. Very Fallen Leaves. Very Fallen Leaves going by on the train type record.
2: Yeah. Um, Delicate Steve's This Is Steve that was a record that flirted with my top 5 in the early part of the year and even flirted with my top 10 here in the latter part of the year that's just a fucking great guitar album um, yeah he's, he's a guitar hero he it's, really uh, is and the album cover unique. might be my favorite album cover of the year a very unique
1: guitar hero that the 21st century needs, Delicate Steve. Yeah, I,
2: I'm, I'm excited to see him live here in the next year. Uh, and then finally Tim Cohen's uh, Luckman which was another early 2017 record that really kind of got me. He is um, uh, the lead singer from I believe the Fresh and Only's and this was his uh, Oh right, yeah, this is that's, his, that's true. His solo record that's um, Kind of parts Bill Callahan, um, uh, just in the sense that it's kind of somber, lonely male, slightly drunk singing of lost love and kind of desperation. That uh, Part of the reason why I love The National. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, just a great record to, to throw on throughout the year and, and just kind of take up a little bit of time. So
4: I want to talk to you but I'm talking to a wall about a window and it's all I can do Come, would you walk my way in the crook of my as we make
1: This portion of the podcast is one we are going to get into discussing both our top 10 albums, and we will also give you some um, more top fives from members of the Beyond the Pond community. I'm just going to kick it off with uh, quickly with my 10 through 6. Um, for number 10, I had Lord with her album Melodrama. This was um, really, I think this came out in March. I've kind of been listening to it for really most of the year at this point. She's a pop star, but she is certainly wise beyond her years. It's very, very interesting production. Lots of different sounds going on. The lyrics are extremely clever, and uh, it's much better than her first record. I think it's, uh, I don't know, you could even say maybe her closest competition was Taylor Swift. While Taylor Swift sells many more records, Lord is a 100 times more interesting. So I would certainly recommend that album. number nine i have his golden messenger hallelujah anyhow his gold messenger that's uh, the gnome de plume of one mc taylor This is, we've talked about this album and uh, this band many times on Beyond the Pond. It's just a very hopeful, very well-produced Southern Soul record that I think I like more and more the more that I listen to it. It's kind of what I want to hear when I wake up in the morning, when I go out for the weekend on Saturday morning. It's just uh, very bright. And I know he's playing here next week. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see him, but I'm uh, certainly going to try. I have Gang of the Youths Go Farther in Lightness. This was an album that both Brian and myself discovered relatively late in 2017, but it kind of certainly pushes all of my sweet spots, which to say big, epic Springsteen style rock and roll from a dude who completely means it. It's well produced, it's energetic. He sounds like this could be the last record that he ever makes. I hope it's not, but it really, um in terms of epic rock and roll, it definitely was something that I loved to hear, and I think if it had come out earlier in the year, it might have even been higher. Do not let
3: this thing you got go to waste Do not let your heart be dismayed It's healed by some random disclosure of grace From some masculine grave thing let your life grow strong and
1: sweet to the taste. Cause the gods are completely insane. Do not let your spirit win. Do not let your spirit win. Number seven, I have uh, Slow Dive, self-titled. As Brian was saying, I think it was their first album in, what, like 23 years?
2: Yeah, 20,
1: since 95. 22. Okay, since 95. Just... Beautiful, sweeping, and melodic. I know recently um, we just got a new stair assist in my apartment and I put it on. My wife was on the couch looking at the iPad absentmindedly and she just stopped and said, What is this? I said, This is slow dive. She said, Fuck, it's pretty good. I said, <laughs> I know. So if you uh, enjoy the shoegaze thing, which I hope at this point, if you got in this part of the podcast, you've at least given the genre a try. That's a, a fantastic version of that. six, the Turnpike Troubadours, a long way from your heart. Turnpike is um, a country rock band from Oklahoma. I believe this record came out at the beginning of October. It's just very well produced, very well written and catchy. If you're getting the idea that I like things that sound good, I like albums where I can hear all the instruments, I can hear the separation, I can tell that a lot of time went into mixing it to get it to sound just so and yet it doesn't sound overly fussed over. Um, the front man, I think his name is Evan Henkel. I might have gotten that wrong, but at any rate, his lyrics are very metaphorical, um, very well thought out, and he's uh, just um, an excellent back porch record, which I think you can't have enough of in the environment that is 2017.
3: And we're caught up in the riffraff, circling around the sun takes a whole lot of blood and tears just to really love someone. But when it comes back around, that's heaven on earth. You never know till the end, my friend, what your love is really
2: worth. Are you so number 10, I've got a record that you actually passed along to me, Dave, um, and I didn't... I don't think I really gave it as much of a chance as I should have until about a month or so after you passed in my way, but Luke Elliott's dress for the occasion, which um, I know that uh, I think we'll get to at some point later in this episode, but really proves that um, there are some good reasons to uh, visit and come out of Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, Princeton? Uh, Princeton. <laughs> <Come> on, Princeton.
5: <laughs>
2: this
0: gun of mine
5: just
2: Number nine, I've got Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Um, this is just a powerhouse hip hop record. Um, record I listened to quite a bit in the early part of the year and really blew me away. Um, we were kind of talking before we went to re- uh, record here. Um, I think I, I think I liked to pimp a butterfly more, but this record feels there's a lot of clarity in what uh, Lamar is saying, and a lot of important things that he's uh, he's going over. and In the uh, twisted oh. times and twisted year that we live in, it's a really important record to listen to. On repeat. I
0: got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine quarter piece, got war and piece inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition, flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, this one like this, immaculate conception. not transform like this, perform like this, without you a new weapon. I don't contemplate, I meditate, off your fucking head. This that puts the kiss to bed. This that I got, I got, I got, I got.
2: Number eight is Fleet Foxes' Crack Up. Um, this record, so their last album came out in 2011, Helplessness Blues. It was my number two record of 2011, and I'd kind of forgotten about them at that point in time, uh, or between then and now. And uh, Robin Peckenhold seemed to have forgotten about the world for a while. But my God, did they come back with an album that I don't think I've figured out uh, quite yet. I think it's going to take most of 2018 to really get to the heart of what they're singing about and what they're um, going through in this album, but...
1: I know I haven't figured it out yet. I'm not sure I will.
2: Yeah, the intrigue the, the the intrigue of it is is part of what really keeps me coming back. But there's some excellent songs on here. Uh, I should visit Memphis is a song that I would recommend to anybody who likes this podcast listening to. Just a stunning, stunning track. Uh, this is no surprise. His goal, the messenger, hallelujah. Anyhow, I think that when we did our podcast with uh, the guys over at HF Pod, um, I think that uh, uh, four out of the five of us had this record on our top albums list of the year. Um, incredibly hopeful, incredibly joyful. Everything I need to hear from a positive, positivity standpoint right now.
0: Will you try? The life could change All my daddy All my the roses Probably rule the world Someday Yes, then we
2: will um, And then number six I up my ten through six Is Craig Finn's We All Want the Same Things uh, Craig Finn of The Hold Steady um, I saw him open up for the Japan Droids In early February It was the first uh, a concert I saw in 2017, and was just blown away by him. Um, his presence on the stage—I mean, he's—he's he's like Bruce Springsteen, but he's like—I uh, th- I think you described it in a certain way to me, Dave. He's like Bruce Springsteen with a library card, um, yeah. more of
1: like low brow, bald,er glasses, like a nerdier Springsteen with. Little drier sense of humor in Springsteen.
2: Yes, we, uh, yeah, we. Um, uh, I saw him again. I saw him solo uh, at the Rock and Roll Hotel here in D.C., which is a great little venue. I would recommend anybody in the area come and check it out. Great little bar. Um, we talked about honesty. We talked about love. We talked about uh, faith. We um, went through a ton of stuff uh, as a, as a crowd and as a unit with Craig Finn. And uh, he absolutely dominated the uh, the entire uh, the entire crowd, and that also happened to be the night of the best baseball game of the year, uh, Game Five of the World Series. So, mm. memories all around, and we all want the same things. What a strange album title in 2017. Finn is quite aware of this, but uh, what a fitting album title as well. And. Um, works in a lot of ways, for me, the same sort of way that His School of the Messengers album does.
1: I will just throw in a plug for his main squeeze, The Hold Steady. I saw them last night. This is the second year in a row they've done a four-night residency at Brooklyn Bowl. And The Hold Steady is as good as ever. It's just Hold Steady concerts are kind of like what you picture in your mind as a rock concert being like, which is to say people pogoing and singing along and enthusiastic and the whole crowd is into it and no one's talking. And all that matters is you and the band and the the drink in your hand that you're raising up at the choruses. It was fantastic show great time and i kind of paid the price for it most of today (laughs) but i'm rallying for this
2: podcast you sound strong at this hour so Mm. the 11th hour of the day is when you finally came back around exactly
1: At this point, we're just going to uh, quickly jump back into um, some Beyond the Pond community submissions, and the next one we have is uh, on Twitter at, let's see, I think it's probably Milwaukee Jam, I think uh, a person goes by the name, dude is the name of Ace House Brother, and on Twitter it's Jam. so at m-i-l-w-j-a-m and in no certain order we've got Connor oberst salutations gang of youths go farther in lightness jason isbill in the 400 unit the nashville sound neil young hitchhiker and sled cleaves ghost on the car radio um that last one being someone who I had actually had never heard of until seeing it uh, in this list. I listened to that uh, that album last night, and I think that album and me are definitely going to get along. So thank you very much for that submission. Each day there's a
4: little less I recognize in my hometown It's hard watching the little guys going down Oil and grime in the pores of my skin Think of
2: all the i been breathing in uh, next up we've got um, a listener who a listener a friend of the pod who I think probably served up one of our best meals of uh, 2017 I know
1: your best meal and my best meal
2: uh, Brian Weaver uh, at Brian Lee Weaver chef at the Butcher and Bee in Nashville, Tennessee. If any of you are passing through Nashville, if any of you live in the surrounding area and you haven't been to the Butcher and the Bee, um, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, it's kind of like listening to Beyond the Pond and not listening to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot.
1: You took the words out of my mouth.
2: It is an uh, unbelievable restaurant. Uh, Brian Weaver is a fantastic cook, a fantastic chef, um, and a really all-around excellent guy. So um, I will direct anyone to, uh, to Butcher and Bee. Uh, he's got, in no particular order, King Cruel, The Ooze, Kendrick Lamar's Dam, Vince Staples' Big Fish Theory, the first submission of Vince Staples, but that was a fantastic record. Um, the Cool Kids, Special Edition, Grandmaster Deluxe, and Valerie June's The Order of Time.
3: I'm in that 745. Hope I can't come scoop you up round 745. Slide around with my drop top up or down, you down the ride. Right look into my eyes and told me daddy show you right 745 745 hope i can't come scoop you up around 745 slide around with my drop top up or down you down the right look me in my eyes and told me daddy show you right 745 you're my life man now
1: and finally it for this segment uh, One submission we're going to feature here is from Kathleen Hinkle, who's on Twitter, at VanCityVisuals. That's V-A-N-C-I-T-Y, visuals. She's um, a fan of Beyond the Pond, and I encourage you to check out her website because she is a phenomenal photographer as well. Very interesting, interesting photographs. Really, Um, really, really good stuff from her. Extremely. So we have a Her List. Number five, LCD Sound Systems, American Dream. Number four, Beck Colors. Number three, Mavis Staples. All I Was Was Black. Number two, Gord Downey. Introduce Yourself, of course, being um, Gord Downey's final album, the uh, the last thing he recorded with Kevin Drew from Broken Social Scene, which I have, have to get into, and her number one pick was Nicole Atkins' Goodnight, Rhonda Lee. Fantastic record.
2: Yeah, one that I think you featured sometime midsummer, summer and uh, yes. definitely got into, not as much as I should have, but uh, I feel like I'm going to have to listen to it a bit more, and um, Kathleen, thank you for all the retweets all of the likes on Twitter you've been a fantastic uh, fan here in our first year and um, I think we've got an episode that we're cooking up for 2018 that's dedicated right to you The Kathleen Hinkle episode Yes <laughs> You
0: take the windows Paint the
2: Alright, so getting to the meat of things here. We're going to go through our top five albums of 2017 for you guys here. Um, So kicking things right off, I've got my number five, which is Ryan Adams' Prisoner. Uh, This record was my favorite album at the midpoint of 2017. And to be totally honest, it's only really retreated on my list because of the strengths of the following four records. This album still holds up with every listen that I give it. It is a record that focuses on loss and moving through unintended and unplanned life challenges, and it really affected me in a year that was, quite frankly, exactly that. Um, But what really makes this album special is um, it doesn't necessarily wallow in self-pity. It it acts as some sort of a balm to the kind of hopelessness that follows these sort of life-altering shifts, like divorce, like death, you name it. It uh, works as a way that, that kind of stares these sort of situations in the face, these challenges in the face but like gives you something warm to hold on to even as you're going through it um this was the record that was released uh shortly after uh, or written and recorded and then released shortly after adams's divorce with um uh, the actress mandy moore and it really ties in with his 2014 self-titled album where uh, Ryan Adams incorporated Heartland Rock into a very sprawling Americana sound, and uh, really fitting musical terrain for him, um, especially as he settles into musical into uh, middle age, it uh, it works well with his sound. Um, at just 40 minutes, this is an incredibly listenal, listenable album in one sitting. Its songs overall are really what drive it forward. You know, self the uh, the title track "Prisoner." Uh, Doomsday, which I'm going to play here in a second off the record, uh, To Be Without You, Anything I Say to You Now, Outbound Train, We Disappear. They're just like true full tracks throughout it. And one, uh, one from the other, they drive you through the record like a classic folk album. Um, one note worth checking out uh, are the B-sides that were released about three months after the album first came out. At 67 minutes and 19 songs... They show just how prolific of a writing period this was for Adams, someone who, um, in his nature, is incredibly prolific. I mean, he's been recording as a solo artist since, I believe, 1999 or 2000, and he's put out some somewhere in the range of 15 or 16 records. It's just an unbelievable output up by him. Um Prisoner was one of the first records that really connected with me in 2017, and it's always felt like the most 2017 album to me. I think when I look back on this year, while this may not have been the best record that I heard, or it may not be my favorite record, um, this will feel like 2017, 2017 to me in terms of sound overall
1: yeah that album was certainly my honorable mentions and i listened to it um like you most of 2017 i'm a big ryan adams fan i think top to bottom this is probably my favorite album of his since cold roses which um that's saying something is i'd say cold roses is one of my favorite albums of the past 20 years that's how strong i feel about that record but uh no i mean Hey, if getting divorced from Mandy Moore is what caused him to make this great record, she's really good on This Is Us. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you told me to watch that show. What's funny about that show is that they use so much music from people that sound like Ryan Adams that actually been Ryan Adams. Like, <laughs> it's got, they've used songs from like Bonnie Vare and the National, and I think there was like a Wilco cover. I just want to say, like, come on, play a Ryan Adams song. You know you want to, but.
2: Mandy Moore's it got a proper fr- contract. No Ryan yeah, Adams. Yeah, exactly.
1: Manny Moore <laughs> is saying you can come as close to Ryan Adams as possible, but you can't actually play any Ryan Adams songs. But um, yeah, if you like Ryan Adams, you'll probably find something to like about that show. number five record not very original my number five was the war on drugs deeper understanding drink (laughs) there uh you know you don't need me to tell you at this point that we're big fans of uh one adam grandchild and you know this album uh, i think probably Brian's going to talk about it a bit more at length a bit later in the episode, but you know, in terms of of nailing down his very lush, excellently produced Heartland rock and roll sound, you know, this album kind of really expanded on what he did in Lost in the Dream and just blew it up to even larger proportions. And there's certainly, it helps to like. A lot of the Springsteen Tunnel of Love, Bruce Hornsby synthesizer rock of the 80s, but you know, if he was just only aping that sound, it wouldn't be good enough on its own. He's a great songwriter. He knows exactly what he wants to sound like, he knows how to make it click. And uh, certainly at this point, if you're fans of this podcast, you probably have an opinion on this band.
2: But this or was never good or bad. Yeah,
1: exactly. Good or bad, you don't have to like it. That's quite all right. But uh, you know, we covered them in um, our first impressions, and since the album came out, I've been listening to it on a pretty regular basis, and that's uh, why it's at number five.
2: What song are you gonna play for us off of it?
1: We're going to play the fourth song on the record, being uh, "Strangest Thing." It's one of the ballads in the album. It's got one of the most sweeping. Rushes of electric guitar on the album it just comes in. You'll know it when you hear it. It's uh probably my favorite song on the album.
2: 17 is a record I know that David's going to talk about here in a second, so I'll make this brief. But um, the National Sleep Well Beast, uh, record I'm kind of surprised to be in this position. Uh, to be totally honest. This was one of my two most anticipated albums of 2017, and one that, quite frankly, exceeded my expectations. Uh, this is kind of the cousin album to uh, the National's 2010 record, High Violet, which was my number one record of 2010. Um, this is a bit sleeker. It's uh, a little bit darker, and it adds a little bit more of an electronic sound to the band, all of which is quite fitting. Um For me, at the end of the day, this is an incredibly solid record. Uh, One that, you know, like I said, it lived up to extreme hype. But to be totally honest, national records are kind of weird with time. Uh, They always sound better to me a year or two after they come out. And aside from High Violet in 2010, I've never fully gotten a national album until a few years after uh, their release uh case in point boxer and alligator didn't fully hit me until 2010 and trouble will finally finally hit me in late 2016 early 2017 um and i would imagine i i I could very easily see in 2018 or 2019 uh, us talking about you know some other album and me suddenly realizing oh my god sleep well beast is the best record of 2017 uh very very much could be that way um because in the first few weeks after this record was released it was all I could listen to then it kind of fell out of my rotation then it returned then it fell out again for my top three albums of the year I really need a record that I could put on at any time and Sleep Well Beast, I think, could be there in about a year or so. Um, and I'll look back, and I'll hate the place that I put it, like I do with Trouble Will Find Me in 2013. I had that as my fifth favorite record of the year. Uh, but maybe this is just representative of a really stacked year in music. I, I don't know. Either way, this is an excellent record. I cannot wait to continue to grow with it. And uh, the song I'm going to play off of it is one of my favorite tracks off of the album Guilty Party. I I say I'm sorry
4: I know it's not working I'm no holiday It's nobody's fault No guilty party We just got nothing Nothing left to say Another year
1: Guilty Party by the National. Thank you uh, for playing that, Brian. So, at my number four, I've got the latest record from Haim, spelled H A I M. These are the Haim sisters, consisting of Esti Haim, Danielle Haim, and Alana Haim. They both first came to prominence back in 2013 off of the strength of their album Days Are Gone, and it Took them a really long time to record the follow up. They kind of uh, really toured the stuffing out of uh, the 2013 album. But the follow up record, Something to Tell You, came out in July of 2017. And I think probably the best way to describe this band I keep coming back to is Fleetwood Mac in particular, 80s Fleetwood Mac Fantasy Camp, in particular, songs by Christine McVie. I mean, clearly, these girls have listened to a lot of Fleetwood Mac, and they've taken away not only the bright vocals and songwriting, but also the production values. Um, The producer was a guy named, uh, I think it was Ariel Reichstad. I know he produced uh, All of Days Are Gone and produced the lion's share of the most recent record as well. I think he's actually the boyfriend of uh danielle heim who does the guitars and most of the lead vocals it's very clean production that values um lots of separation between the speakers everything is crystal clear everything kind of has an 80s almost like michael jackson thriller style production but most importantly the songs are just very very pleasing to the ear it wasn't I didn't like it immediately as much as uh, the album days are gone back in 2013. But you know, over time, this one really grew on me. It's uh, one of the few albums that both me and my wife and my daughter can agree on and listening in the car. And, in addition to like the Fleetwood Mac sound, they've also kind of branched out to um, sort of like a 90s R&B sound. There's a, one of my favorite songs on the record, is actually, it uh, comes later in the album, called The Walking Away, which is a very, almost like 90s, like TLC, like Waterfalls era sound to it. And just, um, I like things that sound good and crisp, and they're just excellent songwriters. It's excellent production, and it you know really ended up being one of my favorite albums of the year, which I wasn't surprised based on how much I liked the one that came out in 2013. But I would be remiss if I didn't uh, give a shout-out to, um, to, to S.T. Himes' Bass Face you go on YouTube, any video <laughs> of uh, of Haim, the bass player, my friend was like, is she okay? Does she have Bell's palsy? What the hell is she doing? I'm like, no, it's just like what she does. She's got this incredible bass face and these great bass moves. It's kind of almost like a Keith Richards swagger, and it's uh, blown up to ridiculous heights. Go on to YouTube and put into YouTube Haim and the Ellen DeGeneres show And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, is uh, it is something to behold. So the song we're going to play off of this record is the second song called Nothing's Wrong. And I looked in the liner notes to see if there was a Christine McVie writing credit. There wasn't, but goddamn, if it doesn't sound like something off of Tango in the Night. How could you tell
0: me nothing's wrong? Tell Tell me, tell me nothing's wrong.
5: I
2: Alright, moving right along, my number three album was actually my number two album midway through the year, and uh, it surpassed my number one album at the time, which was Prisoner, simply because there's never been a time in 2017 when I haven't wanted to hear this record. it's not higher simply because the next two records are, are just huge, but uh, this album is one of my favorite records and one of my favorite shows I saw in 2017. It's Slowdive's self-titled record, which came out in uh, early May, and has just been on in my rotation for the entire al- for the entire year. Uh, this is a masterpiece of shoegaze wall of sound, melodic guitar and noise. Live these songs are like a warm blanket, and it's one of the most endearing and comforting shows I've ever seen. Uh, this is the band's. This is just their fourth album, uh, but it's their first since 1995. They released three records in the early 90s and then broke up. Um, you know what really gets me about this album beyond the music is you expect certain things from a reunion LP, especially one um, that's this far from the band's initial conclusion. And this, is, this record is just not what you expect at all. Uh, there's a timeless quality to it. There's a confidence that so rarely comes from a reunion album. And there's a, overall a refinement to the band's sound that extends um, everything that they've accomplished in the 90s forward to today and, you know, potentially forward even from here. Um, Slow Mo is still my favorite album opener of the year. Star Roving is a top 10 song of the year for me. That's the song that we're going to play off of this. And that was their first single that came out in January and really reunited the world with Slow Dive. Uh, Sugar for the Pill is a perfect blend of dream pop and shoegaze. It almost feels like a song that should be covered by Beach House at some point. And um, No Longer huh. Making Time uh, really solidifies this album as, 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 I think, the prettiest record of the year uh, overall. Uh, Dave, this was an album that I think you featured in one of our very very early um, uh, new album recommendations, and you really turned me on to. And, and uh, you know, I had listened to Slow Dive, and I was aware of this record, but you had some really great things to say about it. I know that this was a favorite of yours.
1: Yeah, this album, like I said, was certain uh, certainly in my top ten. It's just most bands don't produce something this good in this epic 22 23 years after the fact so the fact to me that they had more to say they knew it was going to be good this doesn't feel like a like perfunctory reunion it feels inspired totally totally. unfortunately the few handful of times that they came to new york city i was either out of town or had a conflict so i did not get to see them live hopefully this isn't the end hopefully there's another album they the offering and i will uh Certainly get to see them, but you know just in terms of shoegaze one hundred and one. I mean, the shoegaze sound—it's really easy to get a bunch of effects pedals and whisper into a mic, but it's difficult to make it this rewarding and this melodic. Yes, Cause if 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 you go into band camp and you look under the shoegaze category, you're going to find a lot of shitty bands. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's true. S- it's true. I mean, Slow Dive is not one of these. Like you need more than just a gigantic pedal board to get the job done. And they do. Snippet of roving by Slow Dive. So, I have for my number three record, not a huge surprise, the National Sleep Well Beast. Let's just say that I'm a big proponent of uh, playing to one's strengths. And I think more so than any other band I can think of, the National play to their strengths. They have a sound. They know exactly what they need to sound like. They know how to make it sound good. They don't try to do stupid things like incorporate hip-hop or weird drum and bass electronic rhythms into their songs. They just, at their heart, are very good songwriters that make a very good set of songs that kind of deal with things like aging and parenting and just in particular on this record the act of marriage and the push and pull in marriage and things like compromise but I guess with every national record you say okay they pushed their sound as far as they can go the next one is going to have to sound different or it's going to start to sound cheap and I'm going to get bored well this national record basically sounds like the two ones that came before it the difference is it has a bit more in the warm um a bit more drum machines electronic bleeps and bloops um some programming it's not so much a major overhaul as uh some tweaks It's sort of i guess them trying to unbutton a few buttons on their shirt but within five minutes listening to it this couldn't be mistaken from anything other than a national record um, what's kind of neat is that the drum machines, when they're used, they often get met with, uh, like real drums and you want to have real drums because Brian Devendorf is one of the best drummers in indie rock and roll. He leads this band with his martial rhythms between him and Scott Devendorf, his brother. It's a very potent rhythm section. And, you know, Matt Berninger, there's of lyrics, he just has... Yet to run out of a bottomless bag of tales about domestic life, and I'm not surprised I like this album as much as I do. It didn't quite get me quite as much as first as Trouble Will Find Me, but I think it also has a lot less filler than that album and will continue to grow. I keep coming back to a basis for comparison. It sounds to me a lot like Yola Tengos and Nothing Turned itself Inside Out, oh, yeah. which is also their, uh, you know, dark, domestic kind of bliss album. Like that album, I don't think it's autobiographical. Between Ira Kaplan and his uh, wife Georgia Hubley is also in the band, but you know, there's some domestic strife in that record. There's certainly some in uh, in. This national album, and although you know Berninger has said this isn't autobiographical, it's about as much as being in a relationship as it is being in a band. Who knows? But you know, certainly in addition to being a great studio band, like I said earlier, they've evolved into a potent live act, and one that is actually even bigger in Europe than they are here. They play larger venues in Europe. They kind of vary the set list more in Europe, which is interesting because, you know, those Europeans, they get written about in the NME in Mojo and Uncut. And they kind of uh, they sort of gravitate towards like charismatic front men like Matt Berninger. But in any event, think,
2: uh, they played all of Boxer in Europe. Uh, yes. First time they've ever done that, I think. In Brussels,
1: that's right. They had to cancel one Brussels show because I think they got an offer to play uh At a President Obama event, and then they decided to make it up to Brussels by playing a larger venue and then playing boxer front to back, which if you go into the show and you have no idea they're going to play boxer front to back, and they do, yeah,
2: you can die happy. I got to say as well, 12 years apart, uh, we've got kind of the bookend of uh, American political life with – Mr. November, closing out Alligator and being used at a ton of Obama rallies in 2007, 2008. And uh, Turtleneck, which is one of my favorite Mm. anti-Trump songs that's been written this year.
1: Yeah, just a man in shitty suits. Yep. What's the lyric? This is the genius that we've been
2: waiting for. This is the genius that we've been waiting for. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That and the man in the shitty seats It's really all. Before awkward.
1: they leave their cell phones in the bathrooms of the wit of the rich. And-
2: yes, yes, yes.
1: So in any event, let's play a song from that album. I'm gonna play the system only sleeps in total darkness. That was uh the first single off the album. And recently used on an episode of This Is Us. Mm-hmm.
4: talking to God.
2: break here in between our top five. Um, We've got a couple more BTP community contributions for you, and we're going to talk with you a bit about some fish because, hey, we are ostensibly a fish podcast. But before we Mm. get to that, um, so we got Ben Greenfield who uh, tweets at uh, G4JOPT. This is a guy who runs online fish tour, a really smart guy in the fish community, excellent fish opinions, uh, soon to be Uh, father, and um, we are uh, in works to have him on Beyond the Pond here in 2018. We're very excited about that. Um, He came at us with Laura Marlin's Semper Femina, uh, LCD Sound Systems' American Dream, Kamasi Washington's Truth EP, which was an excellent EP that came out earlier this year, OC's Ark, Ork, and uh, Charlotte Gainsburg's Rest, which was a record I had not fully absorbed at this point, but is a really, really heavy, heavy, heavy listen. But uh, no particular order there for Ben, but some great, great selections for you guys.
1: We have uh, a submission from my good buddy, PJ Rudolph, who is uh, on the Twitter, as at Axela Part 3. So at his five, at number five, he's got Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, soul, soul of a Woman. Rest in peace, Sharon Jones. Number four, Song Hoi Blues, Resistance. Album I'm not that familiar with, but need to listen to. Number three, Kurt Vile and Courtney Barnett, A Lot of Sea Lice, excellent record. Number two, Warren Drugs, Deeper Understanding. And number one, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Sketches of Brunswick East, which, God, I want to say is like the fourth of the five records that they put out so far in 2017, though not positive
2: really just a, a slow clap here from beyond the pond for King Gizzard and Lizard yes. Wizard. We did not feature them nearly as much as we should have this year, but unbelievable output from that band. Um, really pushing for uh five. Did they do I think that they still have one more that's coming out before the end of the
1: year. Yeah, game. the fifth came out last week, Polygon or, Yeah.
2: Just unbelievable. Well, well done guys. Yeah. Next selection here, we got uh, one of my close, close friends, uh, Rob Brennan, who tweets at Robert P Brennan. Number five for him, we've got Wild Pink's Wild Pink. It's our self-titled record. Number four, 68, Two Parts Viper. Number three, Prepare your drinking chalice. Drink right now because we have the war on drugs. A deeper understanding. Number two, the National Sleep Well Beast. You, you are sensing a theme here, aren't you? My mm. uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and
5: number
2: one, we, I, the, the great thing is we've got, we've got like-minded friends and listeners here. We're all one big happy family. Um, number one, we've got uh Sam-Fo with Process. It's
0: so hot, I've been
3: i am out to go.
2: And ostensibly, because this is really a Fish podcast, I mean, that's the basis for us. Uh, We're going to throw you a bone here, and we're going to feature our uh, favorite show of 2017 from Fish. Uh, We kind of left this open. This could be a show that either we saw or we didn't see kind of where we are at this point at this point in 2017 what's our favorite show knowing full well that the holiday run hasn't happened yet and there's probably going to be one or two great shows uh, that come out of that but um, I thought pretty hard about this I saw six shows in 2017 um, I would say four of them were top top tier fish shows I've ever seen um, but the one I keep coming back to I, I didn't totally expect to at the time because it was the first fish show I saw of the year Uh 728, 2017 Double Chocolate um this is, you know, I, I really think that 730 and 9-1 were probably the best shows in quotes that I saw. This is the one I just keep returning to. It's got an excellent center uh, set list, loads of energy, there's amazing jamming, there's a proper amount of humor. It's it's just a real all-around solid high quality show. It's kind of one of those shows that you would just give to someone if you wanted to introduce them to fish, because it has a little bit of everything. The uh, chocolate ass-handed opener is pure fish hilarity. Uh, The free touches uh, type 2. The Dogs and Destiny Unbound in the middle of the uh, first set. you got a good amount of rarities there. Uh, a full-on Type 2 Sand that closes Set 1. It's really just an excellent way to kick off the middle weekend of the Baker's Dozen and coming off of two excellent midweek week shows, uh, one of which being the Jam Filled Show. This was a really proper way to uh, to, to start the second weekend at, the, at uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, set 2 is, is near perfect. This was the first Have Mercy I'd ever seen. Um, the Choctaw's Torture is one of the top 10 jams of the year, without question. And, uh, you know, in a summer of, uh, and I would say in all caps here, perfect covers that the band unveiled, You Sexy Thing is one of the best, um, that it jams and segues directly into Mercury, Mercury which then jams and segues. <laughs> Mercury.
1: (laughs) The Milky Way. Mercury. (laughs)
2: And and segues right back into You Sexy Thing. I mean, this is, I think, the fishiest thing I saw all summer long. Um, I was actually behind the stage at the show. It was the first time I've ever been behind the stage at a fish show, and I would highly, highly recommend it. And um, the number line that they played, uh, it really confirmed for me that uh, fish fans who rag on number line don't know what the fuck they're talking about um like i said i sat behind the stage i watched the entire floor lose their mind through this performance there's a reason guys that trey plays number line like every three shows yes it saved uh the band it brought fish back together but you all have a fucking smile on your face when fish plays number mm-hmm. line and there's a reason for it Mr. Uh, the Stricker magnolia Fish it fans
1: drag a number line or the dead fans drag and sugar bag to olia. Come on,
2: there's not a single person that is not dancing and has a smile on their face when they play that song. I don't care who you are, you are always happy during that song. Um, the encore theme space oddity just an a excellent cop to the show. Um really fun show overall. Uh, if you've been listening to the Lawn Boy or the Cross and Painless on repeat, I would say dip into 728 and uh, you'll find a lot in that show that you'll really enjoy.
1: disagree with any of that. That was an incredible show, that Choctaw's Torture, how it goes full on Harry Hood at the end. Just uh, awesome, awesome maybe top 10 Choctaw's Torture ever. But the one I have actually for um, my favorite show thus far of 2017 would be uh, the show before, which would be um, Powdered Night, which was night five, uh, July 26, 2017. I was at this night, and I was also at Jamfield's the night before and after that i said how on earth are fish going to top that <laughs> i'm not i'm not necessarily sure if they topped it but the fact that they were able to pull such an incredibly quality show one night after on a wednesday night in new york city with um that second set I still think the second set of Powdered Night is the best, my favorite second set of the Baker's Dozen. I mean, you got the huge Dark Korean to start with the Mr. Completely teases, the Mr. Completely into 19 f 99
5: <laughs>
1: into arguably the brightest, most upbeat, shining jam that I've heard them play in ages. Maybe the best version of Steam ever. I mean, by far the most Pink floyd then you've got No Quarter, the character Zero, with the very amusing duel between, um, you know, between Trey and Mike. And then for the encore for Powdered Night, um, I turned to my buddy that night, who is actually PJ Rudolph, Axle Three on Twitter. We both thought that they were going to play Powderfinger because sometimes the most obvious choice is the best choice, and. That didn't make it any less cathartic when he played that opening chord and sang the opening line. That was—it just felt so goddamn good. And the first set really is no slouch either. I mean, it's got—opens with uh, their acoustic a cappella version of uh, the Fleet Foxes' White Winter Hymnal, then Cars, Trucks, and Buses, My Soul— Whatever It was fine in context, but uh, the first Pebbles and Marbles and God knows how long. And also, the Tube Jam is phenomenal. That's yeah. like a 14-minute, extremely interesting tube. We actually covered an earlier Beyond the Pond episode. I think we compared it to uh, some Manchester, like Happy Mondays, Charlatan's Music. That's probably, between that and um, the Lawn Boy in the 1999, that tube is one of the top five jams I go back to the most. Just because it's compact and rocking and very type two and fantastic in all the ways, I hope that all my tubes are.
2: You know, it's interesting. So, uh, it's pretty amazing. The the Baker's dozen for all the superlatives we could say. There, there were a lot of things that happened that you never would have expected happened before the Baker's dozen. I think. <clears throat> I could be wrong about this. I could just be forgetting it. But I think the most unexpected thing that happened in the entire 13 shows was that they fucking played 1999. Like, yeah, never really. they would ever play that song again. There was no context for them to play it again. There was no reason for them to play it again. And it just... And, yeah, you're right. Like, the jam that came off of that was absolutely spectacular.
1: Right. It was ragged. But it was <laughs> Dance Party USA ragged. Completely. Completely. It was... I, at some point, I think, I don't know, someone told me I didn't really see this that Trey goes to Paige and says, Who knows lyrics for this song? I don't, I'd have to do some better lip reading. But it was, I didn't really, when I heard it, I didn't pick up on it until like a minute and 30 seconds in because there was no reason to think they'd ever play it ever again.
0: Daddy.
2: Wrapping up here before we get back into our countdown, we've got a couple, uh, a few more um, uh, from the community, from 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 uh, our listeners here. So we got Paul Sailor, uh, who uh, tweets at Coltrane1973. Uh, his number five record, His School of the Messenger," "Hallelujah," "Anyhow." We've already said it. This is a fantastic record. Um, if you haven't heard it, really warm, amazing stuff. Uh, number four, the Weather Station self-titled album. Three, Father John Misty, pure comedy. Two, Kendrick Lamar's Damn. And number one, Raise a Glass. The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. I'm seeing double. in the when
0: you ashes on water. We're just straight tweaking to be lost out in the darkness
1: of the border. So right now next we have uh, have Ryan Smith who tweets at R. Smith, 0603. He's got, um, I guess this is a tie for number five. He has, um, has Japan Droids, New to the Wild Heart of Life. That actually came out pretty early, I think, in, um, in 2017, if I, don't, if I can't recall. That was one of the
2: first releases of the year, yeah.
1: Right. Very good album. I don't like it quite as much as Celebration Rock, but still a uh, very good record. And um, the one he has tied with that is Gang of Youths. Go Farther in Lightness. Number four, Kendrick Lamar, "Damn." Number three, Warren Drugs, "Deeper Understanding." Number two, Riot, Adams, "Prisoner." Number one, a National, "Sleepwell Beast."
2: brother kevin brinkman uh at mr brinkles uh number five uh noam pinkley uh universal favorite number four jamila woods heaven number three and the award goes to war and drugs a deeper understanding number two the national sleep well beast and number one uh he and i debated this heavily throughout the summer and fall but this record completely captivated him uh fleet fox's crack up
1: I like the Fleet Foxes a lot. I still, I've got to give that album more of a chance. I like 3rd of May a whole lot. But
2: I think, uh, I think Robin Pecknold
1: is so make. deep into his head, he's never coming back.
2: <laughs> I think that's a record that's really going it, to, it, it's one of those things you got to hear 10, 15, 20 times. And um, you need a good road trip with it. Okay. I could buy into that.
4: How could it
2: all fall
1: in one day? stretch here folks so i've got my number two album of the year this is a guy i know i've mentioned before in the past i certainly mentioned him on uh, the podcast we did with hf pod it's a guy named ron gallo album is called heavy meta and i think top to bottom this is my favorite pure rock and roll album of 2017 in particular the first song young lady you're scaring me it's probably my favorite rock song in 2017. It just – I've listened to it hundreds of times. It gets me pumped up. It's almost corny to say that it could work well as if I was a closer on a baseball team, I'd want to exit the bullpen to this song. <laughs> okay. In particular, the opening three songs in this album being Young Lady are Scaring Me and Put the Kids to Bed and then Kill the Medicine Man are just a triptych of twangy rock and roll awesome. Um, he's got a really good sense of humor, too, like a very dry sense of humor. He's got the song Why Do You Have Kids, where it's kind of a slice of life almost questioning people that he sees that really have no business ever having children. And I can relate to this, relate to this all too well, but really um, it's a trio. They're called the RG three, which is funny in of itself. Uh, he's from Philadelphia. I don't know if he specifically called it that to uh, troll the Washington Redskins with Robert Griffin, the I kind of hope that he did, but just top to bottom. This is a kick-ass rock record. He plays a really mean guitar. He's got a great twang to his vocals. He has incredible hair. He's really good uh, in interviews. He's good on Twitter. It's just really a complete package. And if you like rock and roll, I just you've got to check out Ron Gallo as soon as humanly possible. And the song we're going to play is Young Lady You're Scared of
2: Um, an album that was introduced to me by you, Dave. Uh, and I have not seen this album covered in the American music press outside of uh, Stephen Haydn and the Celebration Rock Podcast and uh, uprocks.com. uh This is an unbelievable band, an unbelievable album. Gang of Youths Go Farther in Lightness. Um, to be short, this album is why I listen to music. It's why I listen to three hundred plus new records every year. It's why I've been writing about or talking about music my entire life it's why it's why i i write- i run a music podcast with you dave it's it's to find an album like this it's it's hmm. this is this is the the same sort of reason why we go to hundreds of fish shows to see a fuck your face show it's it you you want to find something that just like connects on every level and hits your wheelhouse and just shocks you on the first listen. Um, I don't know why this album hasn't co- been covered in the states. Um, it's they could be America's next greatest rock band, uh, but um, they should be on all of our listeners' radars. Uh, this uh, hearing it for the first time in early November completely bowled me over, and really, it's a fusion of literally everything I love in music. You've got Springsteen, you've got the War on Drugs, you've got classic rock, concert albums, ultra sincere lyrics, punk rock, road trip, heartland rock. I mean, I could go on. This is my wheelhouse. At 75 minutes, Go Farther in Lightness is definitely an exhausting listen. Um, we, I actually featured this... On our Twitter feed, uh, we're covering every uh, Fall 97 show, and I compare this to the 111997 Wolfman's Brother because this album like that <laughs> is certainly an indulgent experience. And uh, um, uh, uh, lead singer um, Dave uh, LePape. Le Um, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly I'm probably totally butchering that but um, He said at one point He's not going to make a 40 minute trite record He's going to make 75 minute albums Because he's only going to live once Um, My god Is this 75 minutes worth listening to Over and over and over again Um, The opening track Fear and Trembling It's as if Jungleland Opened Born to Run Um, And don't yell at me I know Thunder Road is the perfect opener For that album but just imagine it being opened by jungle jungle land. It's, it's an interesting concept. Uh, second track. What can I do if the fire burns out? This is, uh, a redemptive an- anthem here for 2017. Uh, do not let your spirit wane, persevere or everything I needed to hear and remind myself of here in, uh, uh, um, 2017 and are insanely deep for a 24 year old to have written uh, side note, uh, lead singer. Um, I'm not even going to butcher his name again, but he's been married, he's seen his wife battle cancer, he's gotten divorced from said wife, he's seen her pass away, he's battled drug addiction, and he's battled his own suicidal tendencies, all in his short time, and he wrote an album of this much power. It's insane to me. Um, I really fail to think of a bigger moment on a record in 2017 than when the song Le Symbolique fades right into Let Me Down Easy, which is the song that we're going to play off this album. It's my top two or three favorite song of the year, and uh, it's just an excellent, excellent statement uh, about three quarters of the way through the record. Um, Finally, and just to wrap it up, this is a band that's going to be reckoned with. If they're not headlining music festivals in the United States in two to three years, something has clearly gone wrong with this band. Um, because they just won a ton of awards down in Australia where they're originally from. Uh, I believe like the Australian rock music awards, uh, I forget exactly what they're called, but they won, like they swept the, the entire uh, ballot down there. And, um, They've got to come up here to the States and they've got to do a proper tour. Excellent, excellent rock band. So I hope that you enjoy Let Me Down Easy and I hope that you dig into Go Farther in Lightness.
1: Gang of right. Utes with Let Me Down Easy off of the album Go Farther and Lightness. Just to say that um, the first time I ever heard about this album was listening to the Sound Opinions podcast. It was, um, that's the podcast based out of Chicago with the veteran Chicago music critics Greg Cott and Jim DeRogatis. I tend to agree with them more often than not. I know they um, have an episode usually twice a year where they talk about Diamonds in the Rough, and that was yes, an album. Yes, yes, Right. That was... Uh... One of the albums that uh, I guess Greg Cott talked about as being a diamond in the rough and huge in Australia competing with the likes of like Queens of the Stone Age for like number one and whatnot and really had not made a semblance of a dent here in the States.
2: I think so he after said he... he saw them at a club in Chicago and there was like 50 people scattered throughout there and this was July. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know it's... Uh... It's mind blowing. I mean, Australia has a history of epic bands, be it ACDC or Minute Oil or I guess NXS even. But, um, you know. So, but that actually provides a very good segue to my number one because I have an artist who I also heard about on the Buried Treasures episode of Sound Opinions. This was somebody who was presented by Jim DeRogatis. I've talked about him on the podcast before. I am talking about um, another guy who grew up outside of Princeton, New Jersey, Luke Elliott. He is a 33-year-old singer-songwriter who doesn't know from comfort in every picture. He's wearing a suit or a blazer jacket, staring off into the distance, looking like a bit of a tough guy, kind of taking after certain idols, I'm guessing, like Leonard Cohen and Nick Cave. This guy, he's a crooner. In his stock and trade is these uh, big story songs and a big baritone. I think probably his main instrument would be the piano. He also plays some guitar. But on his most recent album, Dress for the Occasion, he has a variety of um, very big backing band, lots of strings, Lots of uh, things like mariachi guitar. There's even um, a very good pedal steel guitar player at times. This was an album he actually recorded with the producer, uh, John Agnello, in uh, in in Norway, of all places. Um, he has not really broken in the States yet. By uh, some happenstance, getting involved with the publicists in Scandinavia, he recorded this album in Norway. He put it out there, and it was quite the hit. Uh, in Scandinavia and uh, certainly parts of Europe. It came out in the States this past August. I know he uh, went on sort of a tour of small clubs. I wasn't able to catch him, unfortunately, when he was here in New York recently. This guy, this album, I think it marks the introduction of a very major talent. He's just a consummate songwriter with a big voice, And this album, I was listening to it in the car with my wife, and the car has terrible speakers. And she just said, the album sounds really good. It's (laughs) very well produced. It's well mixed. You can hear a variety of different instruments. It's just, from top to bottom, it's an incredibly well-formed statement. I know he's had uh, some EPs before this one. This was uh, his first full-length album. He's got, um, there's the title track is a, uh, like spaghetti Western, the songs blue and green and let it rain on me are these big piano led torch songs. He has my favorite song on the record, The Great Rondon Train Robbery. is actually a story song telling the true story of um, the Newton gang who liked to rob trains in the Midwest in the 1920s. There's a cover of uh, Tim Harden's Reason to Believe. It's just... If you're interested in, like, a great American singer-songwriter like a Leonard Cohen, like a Nick Cave, although I realize that he's uh, from Australia, obviously, you really owe it to yourself to check out Luke Elliott. I uh, hope that he comes back. To the States sooner than later I think his next tour is going to be of Europe And if there's any justice in the world He's going to hit it big Because to me the guy really seems to be that talented And the song we're going to play Is the great Rondon Train Robbery And I think probably next to uh, The Ron Gallo song we played This would be my most played song in 2017
3: Your eyes They look so Very troubled Sweat on your brow is a heavy weight
0: We've been talking about train robbers Vagabonds and spinning plates Production I'm warning
2: All right, thank you for that selection there. Dave, uh, Luke Elliott, as I said at the top of my 1 to 10s, really, really great record that I'm... It feels like a proper drinking bourbon winter album, and I'm excited to grow with it uh, as we go into 2018 here. Really, really excellent, excellent record here over the last few weeks for me. All right, my number one is The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. You Really? you were expecting something else. <laughs> so here's the thing, full disclosure. This is the first year since I really started ranking albums that I did not have a clear number one. Um, I think I mentioned this to you, Dave, as we were planning this, my one through fours could have probably been interchangeable on a given day. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and as I had said earlier, my number five album of the year was my number one at the midway point in the year. That said, A Deeper Understanding is the record I anticipated the most, I listened to the most, I connected with the most. Um, It was the record that I was most impressed with by this band's ability to overcome the immense pressure and expectations on them. I mean, Lost in the Dream was a fucking huge album, and it was a huge coming-out party for a band that um, had you know, really kind of risen the ranks in indie rock, but um, hadn't really made a statement piece yet. And they made a record in 2014 that was my favorite record of that year um, and was a record that just blew so many people away and they created an amazing or an incredible amount of new listeners for them. Um, The fact that they were able to overcome that And in recent weeks, I've read interviews with Adam Gransfield, who says that he was just riveted by depression, um, both leading up to Lost in the Dream and then afterwards because he didn't know how he was going to top it in any sort of way. Um, So all of this to craft a record that hones their sound and points the direction forward and really embraces studio uh, alchemy in a way that they just didn't have the budget for prior to this album for them to make a record as strong as this is so goddamn impressive and it's something i just couldn't ignore as i was reviewing this list Um, this album opens with the strongest opening quartet of the band's career and it peaks with thinking of a place and the song in chains which is probably my favorite 18 minutes of recorded music throughout 2017 Uh, The production of this album is Leaps Ahead of Lost in a Dream. And it's clear that the songs, writing these songs, learning how to play these songs, and then crafting them for a recording uh, standpoint really helped the band in a live setting. Because the two shows I saw them here in 2017 were way, way uh, higher than what I saw them uh, uh, in 2014 and 2015. Um, The second show, as I said earlier, at the anthem was probably the best non-fish show I saw a year. So, end of the day, uh, yeah, this is a, uh, a very predictable choice for me. I, I had a feeling that this band was going to put out my number one record of the year, and you know they ended up doing it, and I can't fault them for it. I continuously want to listen to this record on repeat. Every time I hear it, I hear something new, um, and I just can't get over the fact that they topped all of the expectations going into the record and have... Crafted an album that I'm just so excited to listen to over the next uh, couple of years in the same sort of way that Lost in the Dream has been for me. Um, So, the song that we are going to play off this album is Pain. It's the number two song on the album, and this is one of my favorite songs of the year. The guitar solo makes me want to cry every time I hear it. The lyrics, I've related to it quite a bit throughout the year. Um, It's just incredibly well produced very very well put together song and um uh yeah so war on drugs deeper understanding my number one album of 2017 <laughs>
1: off of the deeper understanding album so if you got into this point in the podcast thank you very much just to recap what we've done is um we started off by talking about some of our uh, favorite non-fish live concerts that we Saw in, in uh, 2017. We also highlighted um, some of the top five lists from members of the Beyond the Pond community. We uh, also had the honorable mentions and then we went through our top 10 lists. Um, instead of recapping the individual songs, what we're going to do at the same time if this podcast launches, we're probably going to put together a uh, about a 30 song best of 2017 playlist and we will put together the link for that and we'll put it on Twitter. And uh our medium page when that that is available. And uh just a reminder of the social media links, we're on Twitter at, at underscore beyond the pond, one word, and on medium, medium.com slash beyond the pond. And um the Spotify Master Playlist can be found at uh the Beyond the Pond Podcast Songs playlist. I think there's well over a hundred songs at this point. I think the uh, top 30 27 playlist is going to be separate but you are more than welcome to smoosh the playlist together if that is your fancy
2: absolutely and uh, yeah just quick note thanks to everyone who gave us play, gave us their top 5 albums of the year we really appreciate it this um, this is our 20th episode which uh, I know Dave when we started talking about this uh, itty bitty podcast way back in February of this year I would would have been happy at the time if we had made five episodes. <laughs> I think it's pretty, mm. pretty cool that not only have we gotten to 20, but we've got a good group of listeners here that are uh, a part of the community that um, clearly there's a reason. A lot of you guys' lists reflected ours, and um, a lot of them gave uh, some really cool albums that neither one of us have heard. Um and uh really contributes overall to the, the kind of mission of this podcast. So um public publishing structure, you guys know it by now. Uh every other Tuesday. Tuesdays have absolutely no feel. So every other Tuesday you should celebrate with some new music and some fish jams and some deep dives. We have one more episode coming out here in 2017 that we are working on and we're pretty excited for, but uh, 2018, man, we got a lot of stuff in the works. Um, We kind of have this thing down to a science now. We've got some really great guests coming up that we are Speak for uh, yourself. (laughs) uh, We've got some great guests coming up here in 2018 that um, I'm I'm very excited to share with you guys. I think you're all going to enjoy it. Um, If you've enjoyed the episodes that we did here with Jonathan Hart and... uh, Uh, Josh Carver, as well as the guys from HF Pod. Um, It's been fun to bring in some other people into our little world. So keep keep your eyes out for all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that uh, um, our list gave you some stuff to listen to here in 2017, and we're stoked to continue discovering music with you guys throughout the next year.
4: Suffice
1: it to say, this pond is going to get extremely deep in 2018. Quite, quite deep. And on that note, I'm David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. Come back in two weeks. We'll once again join hands and join headphones and go beyond the pond. There's a moose head hanging from a wall
3: of bar at an underscore part in the street. There's a long hair boy making eyes at a john by the lamplights hung from the beams. We're at the stumbling phase of the midnight walls at the bookend of the weirdest of weeks. Me and Arnold walk, pretty hammered and crying, hail missing man. When you leave Yeah, I'll miss you when you leave Cause there are feelings that are strong And there are ones that are mixed At the dawn of my young life's eclipse I was a boy once now I'm a kind of adult Catching up on the cool shit I missed Cause we were raised Where well, the passes, they dance in the aisles With a marsh pit up front full of years so if faith is to lose the mind of win God, then I guess I got nothing to prove. I guess I got nothing to
5: prove.